Now we come to the scripture. And this time we have actually three different places in the Bible I want to read from. And you maybe can guess who we are talking about today by this. First is in John 1, verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas, which when translated is Peter. Then Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And then Matthew 10, verse 1 and a bit of 2. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, first Simon, who is called Peter, and other 11. This is the word of the Lord. So, coming to my fish tank here. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I found it really difficult not to sing out loud. <laughs> that was challenging. So, uh, I just want to say that first, I really missed this. I missed, uh, I'm going to have to move this or I'm going to trip for sure. I really missed being here. I haven't actually even been in this building in the last few months, and it was just good to come in here, good to be back, uh, good to see some faces, not just a camera staring back at me. Um, and uh, I definitely also want to say, though, for those of you who couldn't make it and are watching this on Sunday uh, via YouTube, uh, I'm glad that you're still able to be a part of this community and celebrate the service with us, even if you couldn't make it here today. And you luckily get to sing out loud during those uh, worship song. So that's one advantage you definitely have in your favor. Uh, and I know it's been said a, a, a few times. I'm going to say it again because it's weird. It's weird. Uh, this whole sense, this whole feeling and, and atmosphere. When we kind of come back, it's like, let's start church again. We come in and it's like, you know, please register. And uh, everyone's got masks on. And it, it feels really not like what we'd expect from church, not what we would hope to getting back to meeting in person. Uh, it kind of feels like we're headed into a, like a, a surgical clean room is the feeling I get, especially when I'm standing behind this glass even more so. Uh, and I just want to say that I, though it's, it's strange, it's out of the ordinary, it's not what we're hoping. We're hoping that things move even more relaxed in the future. But here we are in this kind of feeling, and I want to just say, let's, let's say... If we're going to be in this atmosphere, if we're going to be in a room that feels surgical in its nature, then let's use that to our advantage and say, hey, okay, if we're in that atmosphere, then let's be prepared to be operated on today. Let's open our hearts and be ready and willing to be operated on. Because God loves to open us up. He loves to cut down deep into the root of who we are and make changes in us that we don't have the ability to change in ourselves. And so, let's get ready for surgery. The room is disinfected. It's all cleaned before you got here. Uh, we've all got our surgical masks at hand. And we have here the Word of God, which is sharp and ready to cut down deep into our hearts and do a work 
and to do a transformation within us, to remove things we can't remove in ourselves, to remove our hearts of stone and replace it with soft hearts that are sensitive to the Spirit, sensitive to what God wants to do in and through you in your life. So I just want to encourage you with that. Let's take that feeling, that atmosphere, and use it to our advantage and be ready for what God wants to do. That's our hope for today. That's our hope for this service and this message. Uh, And we're currently in our series right now, Humans of the Bible. You might have guessed where we're going, who we're going to be looking at today from our text reading. Uh, We're looking at Peter. Now, if you're here today and you say, who's Peter? I've never heard of him. Uh, That would surprise me a bit. Uh, He's pretty famous when it comes to uh, the Bible, when it comes to church, when it comes to the founding of the church. He's pretty well known as the, the rock on which the church was built. Uh, he wrote two letters that we actually went through here in Church at Five, First and Second Peter. And if we were to kind of just show some of Peter's highlight reel, it, there's some pretty amazing things he's done. There's so much you can look at when you're t- looking at the person of Peter, some very momentous moments. Uh, definitely one of the more renowned. He, as far as I know, apart from Jesus, is the only person to ever walk on water. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. That's definitely something you'd want to maybe put in your kind of, uh, when you're talking about yourself, uh, yeah, you know, I walked on water. I don't know if you've done that. And uh, so he almost right from the start kind of feels superhuman in his nature. Peter was at the transfiguration, so he got to see Jesus in his full glory, along with Moses and Elijah. Talk about a cool party to be a part of. And Peter's often the first one to speak. He's this kind of powerhouse, a little bit overzealous sometimes, but full of passion and full of of just this kind of connection with wisdom that comes from within him, that God just reveals to him. And uh, one of my favorite ones, and one of my favorite quotes from Peter is when Jesus has just preached this really hard sermon in John uh, chapter 6, and a lot of his disciples are like, man, this is too hard. Who can accept this? This is too hard of a truth. And, it's, and then he goes to his disciples, he goes to the 12 and says, what about you guys? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter is the first to stand up. He answers in John six sixty eight, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Such power, such zeal from this guy. You can see why he is the rock. But Peter also had some momentous moments that he's quite well known for that weren't so positive, like when he denied Christ three times. After doing life with Jesus, seeing all the things that he got to experience with Jesus in his ministry, at one of his lowest moments, he abandoned Jesus as he was about to be taken to the cross. Right after swearing that he would even die for Christ, he denies him that same night. What a low point to find yourself in. And then yet Peter also experiences a a level of forgiveness that is deeper than most experience as he is forgiven three times by Jesus and given the chance to tell Christ that he loves him. And Jesus then, even though he has been, he's denied Christ, he gives him this call again, you are the rock, and calls him to feed his sheep. It's a powerful powerful image this guy peter is uh, kind of amazing we look and there's so much more we could look at in his life and so how are we today meant to relate to this guy how do we relate to peter 
most of my experiences, for instance, have, wouldn't line up with some of the things that he's experienced. And I mean, this is Peter, right? The rock, the first apostle, the powerhouse, and, found, and a, a foundation in building the Christian church and Christianity as we even know it today. And if this series is about looking at humans of the Bible and God's hand in the story, Peter seems to be more superhuman. Again, literally defied the laws of gravity. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water, but you normally just go straight down. And even if it was just for a few seconds, amazing. But there is something so intimately human about his story that lines up with every Christian's story. And that's going to be our focus today. And that's what we were kind of unpacking in that text. We're going to look at Peter's three callings from God. His three callings. His call as a disciple. His call to action, to act. And finally, his calling into his mission as an apostle. The text we read, that Richard read, uh, kind of shows these three distinct callings that Peter experiences. And today I want to walk through these callings. And first of all, of course, of course, we're not Peter. We aren't going to, we're not called into the things that he's called into. And so it's going to look different for us. We're not called, we're not called into be the rock of the church, to be the first apostle. But we are all called by God. We're called by him uniquely, individually, and by name. So let's look at the first call of Peter. First call that Peter experiences. And I want to read through the entire scenario. This is found in John 1, and I'll read verse 35 through 42 to kind of just unpack a little bit more around what we looked at at the start. The next day, John, and this is John the Baptist, not John the writer of the book of John. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I love that. What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Peter is first called to believe. He's first called to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And how is he called? By hearing the truth. He's called by hearing the truth. I want us to think back on our own experiences. Now, if you're here today and you're a believer, you have an experience. You had something that brought you to that truth, that brought you to that understanding. Do you remember it? Can you look back and remember that moment, that thing, whatever it was that led you to take that first step to go to Jesus? 
Now, maybe you're here and you say, or maybe you're listening online and you say, I, maybe, I, I no, nobody's done. I haven't experienced that yet. I'm, and maybe you're in that moment right now. Something brought you to come here today or to watch this on YouTube or more likely someone, maybe someone. Maybe it was something direct. Somebody said, hey, you should check this out. Or maybe it was something indirect, just the way that you saw someone living their life as a Christian that led you to say, I want to know more. I'm curious. I'm interested. What was it that brought you to that point of taking that first step or who rather? It was Peter's brother, Andrew, who first brought him to Jesus. Andrew heard the truth, and he believed it. And it says the very first thing he did, so he went with Jesus. It was like, hey, that's the Lamb of God. That's the Messiah. And he was like, okay, John, you've been great, but I'm going to follow him. And as soon as it was clear, this is the Messiah. This is who we've been waiting for. The first thing he did was to run and tell his brother and bring him to Jesus. Andrew heard the truth, he believed it, and he ran to tell his brother. He was excited to share what, he had been, what had been revealed to him. What a powerful reminder for uh, those of us who are Christians, who follow Christ, of the great need to share that truth that we've been given, to let it out. Even Peter, the rock of the church, had to first hear the truth about Jesus. Or as Paul puts it, how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear if we don't preach? Once Peter had heard the truth, it was Jesus, though. It was Jesus who made that truth real to him. It was Jesus who presented himself to him. Jesus gives Simon, even, a new name calling him Peter. He's given a new identity. Something changed. We see this kind of outward expression of what we understand happens on the inside when we come to a knowledge of Christ. Something's changed. You're not who you were. You were dead in your trespasses. You were this old person, but now something new has, been, has become. You are something new. You are made new in that moment. And we see this physical kind of uh, expression of that with Jesus giving him a new name. A new identity. And in in this moment, Simon, Peter, became a disciple of Jesus. At this moment, he became a disciple. Peter's initial calling, the first calling, was a calling out of darkness and into glorious light. The truth being revealed to him as Christ revealed himself to Peter. Before we can get to a second calling that we are going to look at. Before we can learn how to serve Jesus, to serve in the church, to do something for him, we need to first belong to him. We need to have that first calling. We need a new identity. We need to be made new in Christ. And that comes through hearing the truth and having Christ reveal himself to us as we take that step and go to him. And this happens at the very start, just from hearing the gospel. And when we see Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when, we, when that happens, when that moment occurs in our hearts, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what you were doing the very moment before you 
made that transition, before that change happened, you are from that moment on a disciple of Jesus. This is the first call that we experience as Christians. A call to discipleship. Meaning Jesus is your teacher, your Lord, and you want to know him. That's the first call. Peter's second call, we read uh, from Matthew 4, 18 through 20, but I'm actually going to look at Luke's accounting uh, because he gives a lot more detail and paints a more vivid picture. And so uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing, just in more detail and kind of surrounding information. So Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, he saw at the water's edge two boats left, them, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So this is the scene, it said. We got some guys washing their nets over here, two boats, Jesus and a crowd kind of heading that way. He got into one of the boats, that, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, your, your, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon, saw, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And if we jump down to 10, it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So, he, so they pulled their boats on shore, up on shore, left everything, left everything, and followed him. The first thing we see in this that I think is important to note is a confirmation of Peter's first call. And two things. Number one, because he calls Jesus master. He calls him master. Peter is already a disciple at this point. Something's already changed. And he sees Jesus as his Lord, as his master. But the second thing that we see is a confirmation that he is, something's happened, is when he's in the presence of Jesus, he becomes aware of his sin. Peter sees that he is a sinful man. But Jesus sees him for who he can become. Peter sees himself as a sinful man. His sin has been revealed to him. But Jesus sees him for who he will become. Becoming aware of our sin, I just, this is important to know. Uh, becoming aware of our sin is vital and inevitable when we are called by Christ. It's vital and inevitable. It makes us aware of what we've been set free from. It makes us aware of the price that had to be paid for that freedom through Christ on the cross. And so I want to encourage you, don't be afraid. Don't fear when you become aware of your sin. But know that Jesus is always greater. No matter what the sin is, no matter what the, the, the fault might be, Jesus is always greater. 
Jesus sees you, not just for who you are, but for who and what you will become. He sees you in your full potential. And he is calling you out of a life of sin and into a life of serving him. But you say, yeah, okay, I know that. I've experienced that. I believe that. But I'm still here and I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to know what to do. And often we find ourselves in a place where we're just not sure what to do next. Where do I go from here? And after Peter becomes a disciple, what does he do next? He goes back to fishing. And I'll be real honest with you guys. Some of us need to just fish for a while. We need to go back to fishing, just going to our jobs, just going through our daily motions, just continuing to be a disciple where we are now. God will not leave you there if he has other plans for you. He went back to fishing, and I think we need to learn how to work, how to wait and pray in these moments when we have this kind of longing for something more. And Christians should always work well right? Peter was a good fisherman. It doesn't seem so when we read that he didn't catch any fish after fishing all night, but you get that, you get the impression that wasn't the norm. It wasn't like every day he's just a horrible fisherman. It was a, a special case, and it seems clearly because God was preparing something for him. But he was a good fisherman. He's diligent. He's a hard worker, working through the long hours of the night. Peter knew what he was what he was doing even after learning of Christ and believing. After becoming a disciple, he still was going to continue doing what he knew to do, what he was doing all of his life, his job. And we should never become bad workers or bad employees or bad students in the name of being good Christians. Ah, this is just a temporary thing. It doesn't really matter. I'm just waiting for that big call that God's going to give me. And then I'm going to go and do something else. So whatever. I don't really care about this job. That should never be our hearts. We should, in fact, be the best of workers, always giving our all and as a testimony to those around us. And waiting is hard. And so when it comes to times of waiting, if you're in one of those, remember, waiting is hard, but we need to pray harder. Peter doesn't seem to have to wait very long when we look at the text, but when we are using our time of waiting with diligence, doing the best we can with what God, where God has put us and what is in front of us, working well and in daily prayer, trying to take that time to connect to God, connect to Christ, to be a good disciple of him, then the time will be well spent. It will be well spent for you. And you never know how God wants to use where you are now for where he is going to take you next. What does Jesus say to Peter? You're a fisherman. Peter's like, yeah, I know. That's why we have the fishing boats. And he knew. You're a fisherman. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you to continue that work, continue that idea. It's just you're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. I have something else in mind. You're going to be fishing for people. God is going to use you where you are. So be the very best you can wherever that is right now. And it may be that God is even going to use your very position 
for the purpose he has for you. The second calling of God, the second calling that Jesus gives us after we come to know him is always a call to action. It's always going to be a call to action. There might be a time of waiting, as we've just looked at. There's, sometimes that's going to be the case that we want to do the best we can with where we are. There's time of waiting, but that when that, we get that second call, it's always a call to action. Some, some of us need that time of waiting. Some of us need longer than others. But when we get that second call, it's a call to action. And I want us to also learn from Peter and not hesitate. Don't hesitate when you do get that calling. Don't go finish cleaning your nets. Don't worry about the boats. Don't worry about that large catch of fish that they just had and seem to have forgotten about. Don't worry about it. But immediately say yes. They left everything and followed as David says in the Psalms, I made haste and I do not delay to keep your commandments. We are so incredibly good at that though, right? So incredibly good at convincing ourselves of things not to do. That's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's not the right moment. And I can think of my own experience. I'm not originally from Germany. If you are new here, you... Or I might be surprised by that. By my, no, it's obvious. I'm from I'm from the states, and there was a moment in my life, almost ten years ago now, when I knew that God was calling me to Germany. I had battled with it. I had wrestled with it for actually quite a while. But I got to a point, as my mom would say, where you know that you know. That's something my mom always said, and I knew that I knew that God was the one putting this on my heart and, and calling me to do it. And when I got to that point, I also knew myself. And how easily I can manipulate myself or convince myself that it's maybe not God or maybe whatever it might be. And so I immediately bought a ticket, one way, non-refundable, to Germany and never looked back since. Still here, almost 10 years later. And, and, and I honestly, immediately after I bought that ticket, all these things still started flooding in. I remember it well, trying to convince myself of why I shouldn't go. Oh, it's just not the right time. I, don't, I need to get more money first. I need more supporters. I need more help. And honestly, why would God want to do anything through me? Why would God want to work anything in my life or in, through me? I, I know me. I wouldn't use me. Why would God want to use me? And if I hadn't put myself in a position of having to do it, I'm pretty sure I would have convinced myself otherwise. And when Peter dropped his nets and left his boat behind and followed Jesus and began to take those first steps, there was no turning back anymore at that point. There was no turning back. Certainly, I want to be clear, there are times, there are things that you need to take time for consideration. I did take a long time of consideration before I moved to Germany. And like I said, I wrestled with it. Even when I knew, I still was wrestling with it. So there's a time for consideration. But if you have a conviction on your heart of something you can do now, do it. Don't hesitate. Act. And you're thinking, oh, I don't know. What is he talking about? Let's, let's bring this down a little bit. If you feel a conviction on your heart, man, I, man my neighbor is elderly. You know, they're having trouble right now. I, should, I, could, I could totally be a help to them. Ah, but I don't know. Maybe they won't like that. Just help them. Just do it. Just knock on their door, call them up, ask them if they need anything. That's a conviction that's coming from God, possibly, and you're just 
putting it to the side. And there's no, there's no, nothing bad's going to happen from you asking if somebody needs help. Don't hesitate. Maybe you know somebody or seen somebody at your work or in your life that you think, man, they just really don't seem to have any friends. They seem unloved. They seem outcast. I bet they could really use a friend. Maybe it's supposed to be you. Do something. That could could be a conviction coming from God. Act on it. God's saying, hey, I need your help to, to reach this person. I don't know. They probably won't like me. We probably wouldn't get along. You can think of all kinds of reasons why not to. Don't hesitate. Just do it. Maybe you have a conviction to pray for somebody or speak into someone's life right here in this room. I encourage you, immediately after service, observing all hygiene rules and regulations. Talk to them and say, hey, I'd like to pray for you. You're on my heart. Don't hesitate. God calls us to follow him in many small moments like that. And let me tell you, if you aren't willing to be faithful with those small convictions, how is God going to be able to use you to do something greater? If you're not even willing to help your neighbor, how is he going to get you to, do, to go into mission field or, or to do something amazing? Maybe we always think about this like, oh, ministry is like this big thing. But are you ministering to the people around you in your life? Some of you here today have this, or watching, have this burning in your heart. You feel as though God wants to do something through you. He wants to do something, maybe something more than you can, can see or understand. And there's this kind of potential you sense in yourself that you're not reaching. This potential to do something that you're just not getting to and you're frustrated with why. I've been there many times in my life. Peter heard the truth. Then he believed it and became a disciple. Now in this next calling, he has a choice. And Peter chooses to act. He chooses to follow Christ without hesitation. In our walk with the Lord, there comes a point when we have to stop. Or sorry, stop. We have to step forward toward him. And not simply be passive believers in the truth that we've received, but active followers of Christ. Are you a passive believer? Do you believe the truth? You've heard it? Or are you an active follower of Christ? This is going to look very different, of course, to each and every one of us. Peter was called to be an evangelist, to be a fisher of people. He speaks the truth. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist. Some people who think they're called to be evangelists, I'm not sure if they're called to be evangelists. But certainly not everyone is. Not everyone is called to full-time ministry, at least in a traditional sense. But we are called to a ministry. This is a point of our discipleship that we need to take that step. Say yes. This is what it means to follow Christ. There's a point in our walk where that has to happen. Maybe some of us need more time. Some of us need that discipleship time of just clinging to Christ. And that's good. That's a good thing. But there comes a point when God is going to call you to something more. We're called to participate. Ultimately, all of us are called to participate in the furthering of God's mission of establishing the church. As light and salt, there comes a point in our Christian walk 
where our faith needs to be visible to the people around us. It needs to be visible to the world. Now, if you're new to the faith, again, there's this important time that we need to take to just simply seek Christ. And that varies from different people, for sure, how long that might be. But when Jesus puts that call on your heart to take that next step, I really pray and I encourage you, I challenge you that you would have the grace and the strength to respond to that. To say, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. I'm ready. And if you're thinking, ah, that sounds big. I don't know what you're going on about. Simply start with serving in your local church. Serve in your church community. At some point, we need to just get out of the boat. At some point, we need to just set the nets down, at least. And say, yeah, yes, I will follow you. I will take that first step. And if I don't know exactly what that is, I'm going to invest where I know I can, where I know I am. Here's the church I'm a part of. I want to invest. I want to give. I want to be a support here. What that means down the road, I don't know, but here I am. What can I do? I want to say yes to serving Christ, to following, to be an active follower of Christ, not a passive believer. What a force we would be as a church. What a force all the churches here in this in this city and in this area would be if we all had that heart to not hesitate, but to say yes, to be quick to say yes and to stand boldly for everything we believe. This leads to our third call that Peter has. This one's a unique one for him. Matthew 10, verse 1 and, and verse, part, first part of 2, it says Jesus called his 12 disciples So these are disciples to him, and he gave them authority. So he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. So here we have the founding. They they were disciples. They're active believers and followers of Christ, but now they are apostles. And the first was Simon, who is called Peter. So Peter's apostleship was certainly unique and only for those appointed by Jesus in that season, for that time and for that purpose. But I do believe there's an application here, especially for pastoral ministry or missions are two that really come to my heart. Pastoral ministry and missions that can be laid on any of us or it can also be other, I think, other specific tasks or callings in ministry, what God might be putting on your heart. It's usually one, though, that requires a complete devotion and a selling out. You can't be a part-time apostle. You couldn't be a part-time apostle in what God was, what Jesus was about to call them into. Because then, as, as apostles, the following Jesus was not just, follow me when it's good. It was, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be beaten and hated. Come, follow me. Be hated with me. Be persecuted with me. And they without hesitation, followed him. So that's what we see here with this specific call, and it definitely applies to pastoral ministry and missions. You can't go and be a missionary and then run away every, every few minutes when it gets hard. There's a, there's a certain sacrifice that has to be made, and that definitely applies to this to if you have a specific calling. And again, this only applies to some. Not everybody's called to this kind of, kind of like a full-time 
all-out ministry. And I just want to say that if you're here, if you're listening and you think, yeah, that, I think that's me. I feel that. I feel this kind of call maybe to full-time ministry. I want to give you two things, a, a word of warning and then an encouragement. First, the warning. And this goes for anybody stepping in that direction. If one has not proved themselves with the first two calls, they will have a hard time answering the third. If you don't prove yourself with the first two, you're going to have a hard time answering the third. Even if you have great gifts. Even if you're a really great preacher, a really great speaker, you have just a, a good understanding of culture and you would be a great missionary of all of these giftings for what God might be calling you to do, but you never weren't even able to say yes when he asked you to help your neighbor. Or even worse, you don't even really, you're not even really a disciple. You don't even really know him intimately. You don't even know him personally. You haven't even started there. You're going to have a hard time answering that call. If they don't, know how to serve in their church and care for those that God has put in their lives around them, they're going to have a hard time fulfilling a calling to ministry. So that's the warning I'll give you. Not everyone is called into pastoral ministry. Not everyone's called into missions. But we are all given the first two calls. We're all given the first two calls. And how we answer those will determine how God can use us further. That said, I also want to leave you with something I find to be a great encouragement on this topic. Peter first hears the truth. He believes he's a disciple. Then we see Jesus call him to action, to take the next step, to not be passive, but to be an active part of building God's church. And when Jesus saw him at the nets, cleaning his nets, he saw him in his full potential. He saw him in his full potential. And Jesus sees you today in your full potential beyond anything you can see in yourself. Peter had no idea what God had planned at that moment when he said yes, when he dropped his stuff and followed Jesus. He had no idea where that would lead, no idea what that would mean. What if you said yes what if you started saying yes to God more? Where is God wanting you to be, to head? Where is he leading you? What does he want to accomplish through you? Peter had no idea, but because he was willing to abandon everything and follow Jesus, God was able to use this common fisherman to build the foundations of his church, changing the world. Now, I don't know what God has in mind for you. I don't know what his plan for your life is. I wouldn't say that I did. But I do believe it is often more than we see in ourselves. And I want to encourage you to step into the full potential that God has for you. To step into the full potential. And the first thing you need to do is learn to let go. You have to learn to let go. Let go of your fears. All those questions, oh, I don't know, why me? Can he use me? It's not, not enough money, not enough this, not enough that, not the right time. All those fears, let them go. Let go of your ego. Oh, what will people think of me? What about my friends? What about my family? 
Let go of your ego. Let go of your career. I'm not saying stop your career. God might want to use your career for his purpose. But if your career is your main passion and Jesus is a part of that, you have to let it go. Let go of your very name and identity. I always like that when you let go of your name. Because some of you some of you think, I love my name. I don't, I don't want to let go of my name. Is God going to give me a new name? What are you talking about? Some of you, though, come from broken homes, come from hard families, have had bad experiences that are attached to that family name. And God says, that's, that's not who you are. That's not your full identity. You're not your parents. You're not going to just become this. You don't have to be that. You don't have to identify with those experiences. I give you a new name. You're my disciple. Let it go. You have a new identity. You are a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. And when we let those things go, which is so difficult to do, and something we do daily, right? We daily take up our cross, deny ourselves to follow Christ daily. There's not a one, it's not a one-time thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but as we daily choose to let those things go and say yes to God, we take one step further and further towards the full potential he has in mind for you. Jesus unlocks in Peter his full potential. And all Peter had to do was say, I let all this stuff behind me go and say, yes, I follow you. And of course, his real full potential, this is the real encouragement, is reached with the Holy Spirit. Right after Pentecost, which we're celebrating this weekend, if you didn't know, exciting times. And uh, right after Pentecost, in Acts uh, 2.14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And this is right after the point he's just been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. God didn't just know what Peter was capable of all the way back there when he called him on the, at the shore of the Sea of Galilee as he was cleaning his nets. He didn't just know what Peter was capable of. He knew everything he would accomplish, what God would accomplish through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He saw the whole picture. The Holy Spirit produces a change in us, a transformation in us that our very nature, our very desires are changed. And this transformation doesn't end with us personally. It's not just about you. It's just not just about you being a, a, a different person, but it's also produces power to see transformation in others, to see the work of God done through you. Look how the people respond to Peter after he speaks in one of the greatest sermons of all time. I encourage you to read it if you haven't found in Acts 2. But after he speaks, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the same guy who said, I am a sinner, get away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy. The same guy has just preached a sermon. And in Acts 2, 37, it says, when the people heard this, heard what he had just spoken, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. Something changed in them. It was a power happening through Peter. And as believers today, as believers today, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit when we belong to Christ. Ephesians 1.13. I'll read the ESV because I like it better in this ver- or for this verse. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, so they first hear the truth, 
heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you see the first call, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is a seal, or you could even say a proof, an evidence that you were first called, that you are a disciple, that you belong to Christ. And Peter had to wait until Pentecost till he has this kind of outpouring, and no doubt Peter received a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the call of God that he had on his life. That was a special moment for sure. But each of us, when we are first called as disciples of Christ, we, and we believe, as the verse says, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's good news. And this, by this seal that we receive, we don't only have a proof of our belonging to Christ, but we are empowered by the Spirit, just as Peter was, to fulfill the ministry God has called you, called us to do. Whatever that might look like for each and every one of us uniquely. So Jesus says to you, disciple, to you today, follow me, follow me. How will you answer him? With excuses, with all the reasons why you can't right now. Now for some of us, that calling is maybe to wait. A calling to wait and pray and be faithful with where God has placed you, which can be challenging. For some of you, it's a calling to take that next step. It's time. Get involved in your church. Reaching out to those around you. Let God use you to impact your community, the people in your life. And for some... You know in your heart, it feels like it might be a big step coming. Something big. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's missions. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's faithful service in your job you're in now and making your career your mission field. So it's not just about the career anymore, but about what God wants to do through you in that place that he's put you. Whatever it might be, but you say, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to take that step. I don't know if God could really use me. Of course, I have to say, yes, he can. And he wants to. He doesn't call anybody to a task that he has not also given them the tools to accomplish. Jesus looks at you, not just as you are, but as everything you can become. So trust him. Let go of whatever you need to let go of today. You know what it might be. Let it go and say yes. And remember, you're not alone. He's always with you. That's the best part of saying yes to following Jesus. When you're following him, you're always with him. You're always, he's always right there. No matter where you go, no matter what you go through, following him is always exactly where you want to be think, oh, I don't know, if God calls me to missions, I might, he might call me somewhere I don't want to go. Man, where is there on earth you'd rather be than with Christ? Following him means you're always with him, and you're always where you want to be. And we have the promised Holy Spirit sealed upon us, giving us everything we need to do it. So I'll close with this. Jesus is calling you. How will you answer? 
invite the band up as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your great grace and love and mercy you show towards us and your patience as you call us bit by bit to yourself and into what you have for us. Oh, if we knew everything you wanted to accomplish through us and in us, the very moment we met you, we'd probably run. But you are so gracious. You bring us close. You give us a new identity. You help us to let go of the things behind us and to say yes to you, to step forward, to follow you, to trust you, and to be used by you. I pray, Father, that what, if every one of us here has a calling, every one of us has a purpose you have in mind for us, and it's different. Every one of us is different and has different giftings, different callings, but I pray that each one of us would be willing to say yes to reach that full potential you have for us, whatever that might be. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.